Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. I'm Tim Blevins, lead pastor, and I'm honored you have come to join us. To experience our full service or for more information, check out the links in the description. I hope this message ministers to you and helps you find life in Jesus. Good morning, church. How are you today? Come on, give a little clap. Let me know you're with me. It's so good. What a morning. Love our worship. Been a beautiful time. I love our church. So many good things going on. I'm just so excited to be here today, though. But listen, we are one week closer to moving in our new building. Can I get a great amen out of that? <laughs> Woo! So let me give you a quick update before I preach on our building and some of the progress. And just I want you to be completely up to date on everything. So our current projection to complete renovations is on September the 29th. Now, I have been saying ish a lot. You remember that? I didn't say ish. So we are putting it down. We're completing this project September 29th. Can I get an amen out of that? So immediately following that, we will get the certificate of occupancy, which means we will have our final service in this building on October 1. Then we'll have two weeks of transitioning, of taking all the equipment we have here and repurposing it into our new facility. During those two weeks, while we're not having church, we're going to have block parties in the parking lot of our new facility We'll have food trucks and we'll have jump castles and fun things, but also we want to give tours of the new building so that you can see it. We especially want our parents to get a tour of all the kids' spaces so that when you come on our grand opening date, you won't be trying to figure it all out. You'll be ready to drop off your children and you can go to church. So those two weeks are transition weeks, which means we should have our grand opening on October 22. (laughs) I'm waiting on you. It's good news. It's good news. So it's going to be fantastic. Cannot wait. Our Courageous Campaign, which is our campaign we're using to raise money for this this project, we had set a goal of $1.5 million and up to date $967,000. So that's awesome. Because we're close. We can see the end. We're, we're close. I wanted to do a series to prepare us for this new building. And so in this series, we've been looking at what do we need to be ready for for grand opening. And so week one, I talked to us and preached on the topic of seeking God in prayer before we move in. And we wanted to seek God. We wanted to build the church in the spirit realm before we move in in the natural realm. And so we have prayer cards and we've been praying and our, our prayer is that you know, God would go before us, that his presence would meet us there, there would be great anointing, his power would be in that building and that's what we've been praying for for these first 14 days, seven more to go, keep praying. Then last week we talked about our need for additional people on our serve teams because we're going to be expanding as a church, we're going to be growing. We have more rooms for our children and we'll have greater needs. And so last week I talked about serving and I want you to know that 
This church responded. We responded in just a huge way. Let me tell you a little bit. So first of all, we had over 20 people sign up to be serving in our kids' ministry alone. So that's so good. So thank you, thank you. Many other people signed up in other areas. And when I saw the numbers, I was so overjoyed. So I did a quick little research online and found out that the average number of adults that serve in church is around 40 to 45 percent. So if you had an adult population of 100 people, then 40 to 45 people would be serving. I did our numbers, and we have 69 percent of our adult population serving in church. Amazing. So we are way outside of norm. We are so healthy. We are awesome. That's all I want to say. You're awesome. We're all... You're awesome. We're all awesome. I love it. So it's so great. Um, today, though, I want to pick up in this series on, on the topic of our mission. I want to remind us of, of the purpose of building this building. And my sermon title is, Are We There Yet? How many of you have ever taken your children on a trip? And the question they ask is, are we there yet? And I mean, that's just, I don't know, somehow it's programmed into children to ask that question when you're on a road trip. I remember when we were smaller and one trip we were on the way with my parents and we were going from the mountains in western North Carolina to Oklahoma to visit my grandparents. And maybe by the time we got to Knoxville for us, which is like an hour and a half away, we're asking, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And we just absolutely wore my dad out. And so after, you know, a million times of asking him, he finally just started saying it's 50 more miles. Like he quit trying to figure it out, just 50 more miles. And of course we were young. I didn't know how long 50 miles was, but it was like 50 miles. And so that became a joke in our family that every time we went anywhere, we'd all laugh and go, it's 50 more miles, whether it was two miles or 200 miles. So, but are we there yet? A trip is about a destination. It's about getting to a location. And so I ask the question, are we there yet? Meaning, will we have arrived when we build this new building? And the answer to that is no. Because we're not in this to build buildings. We're in this to reach people. The building is a a tool. It's It's a way to help us fulfill the vision and the mission of worshiping God and and reaching people who are unchurched and people who do not know Christ yet. And so I'm preaching this because it would be easy for us to fall into the trap that the building is our, our end game. And there are some other traps that we could fall into, and it might be that like um, the, the build it and they will come mentality. So we might fall into a trap like, man, we just built this spectacular building, and then obviously people are going to come. And, and that would be a wrong mentality. The Bible never says build a building to get the people. The, the Bible teaches us that we are his workers and we go into the fields to reach the lost. So build it will come. That's not our mentality, but it'd be a trap. We could fall into the trap of portable fatigue because we're tired. We're like, oh my gosh, if we can just get there finally. Well, yes, finally, and praise God, we won't have to set up and break down. But the goal isn't about fatigue or, or, you know, getting out of here. It's about reaching people. We could also fall into the trap of getting comfortable. Listen, how do you like those plastic chairs? Yeah, you don't. All right. That's why we bought those really fancy, I mean, the cushion on these new chairs is like that thick. 
you're gonna sit down and your backside's gonna say, oh, I love you. Uh, it's gonna be like, this is so great. And it would be so easy to get comfortable in a brand new building and things are there for us. It would be so easy to sit back and do nothing. And I refuse to let us be a do-nothing church. A building isn't the success. A building is just a tool. Now, listen, I want you to know, I am ecstatic about this building. Now, listen, no, the building isn't the goal, but I want you to know that I am so overjoyed about this building. I am giddy. I am, it's just like, I go there now every day. I go every day, sometimes twice a day. I've been there three times a day, a couple times, just because I just, it just, I go in that building and I'm like, wow, we're going to have a building and it's so great and I can't wait. I get up on the platform in there and I preach and, and it's funny because we got this Hispanic crew that is working outside and they've got this um, Hispanic music playing. It's so happy. I love their music and they're so happy and they're working and, and I'm in there preaching and the Hispanic music, I'm like, this is so great. Like we're having a blast. They look at me weird, but it's all right. It's, I, I'm telling you, it's, it's spectacular in there. You're going to love it. When you do these tours, you're going to just be in awe of what God has done through us. And, and for many of us, and certainly for Harriet and I and many others, I mean, 19 years of pastoring this church, and we're, we're walking into a new building, a building, our own building, a place for us. So cannot wait. Five years, though, of that 19 years, we have been in here and we thought this was going to be a, a short two years into a new building, and then we had a hurricane, and then we had COVID, and, and, and just like, this has been a difficult five years. So walking to that building is going to have a sense of relief to it. I've watched our serve teams serve and endure through this time, setting up all of this and living through the, hey, it's going to be two years, no, three years, four years, five years, and you're doing it, and I'm so grateful for that. I've seen your work, and I didn't know that I was going to be a fundraiser also when I became a pastor. That is not my favorite thing, you know, saying, hey, above your tithes and offerings, we got to do this, and, and, and so that stuff is difficult, and so getting there is such a testimony of what we have done. I remember the series we did here that that we called it pivot and and I, I taught this church about how to make change in your life and how to handle it when you think you're going to go this way and suddenly you're going to go this way and and for weeks I taught on this and you all are out there amen and amen and thinking I was teaching you about change and then on the last week I surprised you with this whole story that hey we can't build on our property we got to pivot and do something else and you all looked at me like what and then you clapped because we had a pivot because God had an answer not easy days though we have a new building thank you Lord we have had years of planning thousands of details we have pushed through difficulties in construction which is normal we've overcome attacks of the enemy and so on October 22 church I'm going to be in that lobby 
And I'm going to be standing there and I'm going to see people coming in the doors from both sides. And I want you to know I'm going to be an absolute hot mess that day. I'm going to cry tears of joy on that first Sunday. It's just going to be, listen, I hope you're not expecting a good sermon that day. I'm just going to stand up and say, thank you, Lord. And, and all the breakdown and set up people are going to say, thank you, Lord. And it's going to be a great day. We're going to celebrate. And I know some of you who have been a part of this journey, you're going to celebrate. You're going to cry too. You're going to go, look what God has done. You're going to feel the emotion of it. And listen, I know I cried a lot of stuff. I, I'm, I'm not afraid to tell you. I can watch a TV show and cry. But when you walk into this and you sense God's presence and you see all that God has done and, and for you that have been with us for years and you've prayed and you have given and you've been a part of all this, you're going to feel the, the overwhelming sense of gratitude of what God has done. And I also want to just take a moment and thank our church leadership team, the staff, the pastoral ministry team that has worked so hard during this five years of portable church and having an off-site place for our offices and having sisterhood in a back garage and youth in the heat. Like, like you all don't know, but we have a huge youth ministry that meets in a garage without any air conditioning back there through the summer at all. And it's, it's, it's something, but they just keep coming and our team works so hard. And I just want to say publicly how much I appreciate the faithfulness, the strength of our leadership team. And I'm so grateful for every one of you. And I can't see all of you, but thank you so much. So moving into this building is going to be so good. Amen? So good. But church, we're not there yet. That isn't the destination. We're called to reach people. Matthew 28, 19, you know this. It says, go make disciples of all nations. That's our call. That's the mission that we reach people. It says that we will baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And by the way, uh, baptisms are going to get way easier at our new location. We are actually, we have a couple guys that are rebuilding our baptism tank and it's got bigger wheels on it, but it's going to sit right off stage and every time we want to do baptisms, we can roll it out, dunk them and roll it back off and have baptisms every week if we want to because it's just right there. So we're going to be able to do Matthew 28, 19 a lot easier. Then it says, teach those who have become disciples, teach them to obey God's word and, and teach them and the promise is that Jesus will be with us to the end of the age. And so, so our, our goal is the great commission and not a great building. Amen? And why is that? Let me tell you why. Because people are utterly lost and hopeless without salvation through Jesus Christ. That's why. That's the call. Life is short and the stakes are high. The Bible says in Hebrews 9.27, it says, It is appointed for men to die once, and then after that comes judgment. There is no reincarnation. There is no second chance. We have this lifetime, and whether or not we 
choose Jesus Christ in this lifetime, whether we choose Jesus or we reject him, only in this lifetime do people have the opportunity to know Jesus and be saved. And it's a significant issue. People's lives hang in the balance. And I want us as a church to be sure we keep our focus on, on reaching people, discipling people, teaching them to obey the Lord and teaching them to obey the word of God. That's what I want us to be about. And so for just a few minutes today, I want to give you the basic reasons why people need Jesus. And I want you to feel the impact of why people need Jesus because when you understand why, then you're going to want to help be a part of the Great Commission. When you understand why, you're going to say, Pastor Tim, never let us lose focus of our mission. It's not about a building. The building is to help us reach people. And so why do people need Jesus? And first of all, we have a problem. Humanity has a problem. What is the problem that is that we are sinners? And sin separates us from God for eternity. Lots of people have problems, problems of anxiety and problems of stress, but I want you to know that's not their biggest problem in life. People have financial problems, people have marriage problems, people have parenting problems, people have health problems. Those are all important, yes, but those still are not their biggest problem in life. The biggest problem people have in life is that they have sinned against the almighty, righteous, and holy God. That's the problem. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, it says, for everyone has sinned. That's everyone. No one has lived a perfect life except Jesus Christ. Everyone has sinned. We have all fallen short of God's glorious standards. That's what the Bible teaches us. And so every person on earth in our city has a problem. And it's a serious problem. And some people may say, well, well, Pastor Tim, I'm a good person. Well, I'm glad you're a good person. Lots of good people. But you're not without sin. And if you compare your goodness to our holy and righteous God, then you're not even close. We've all missed the mark. We all have that problem. And what that means, church, is that, that some of your closest relationships and, the, and your closest friends and people that you go to school with, people that you work with, people that you see at the coffee shop, the grocery store, wherever you go, there are people out there with a problem, a serious problem, a major problem in their life. That problem is sin. And sin has real consequences in life. What is that consequence? Well, hell is real. Without salvation, people are going to hell. Pretty exciting, huh? Listen, I'm really not smiling about it. It's not a joke. That's the reality of life. That's the consequence of sin. And you're sitting here thinking, well, gosh, Pastor Tim, you're going to be a, a hell, fire, and brimstone preacher. Well, today I am. And I'm okay with that. I've always been okay with truth. Our church loves it when I preach on truth on hot topics. But let me preach on truth on something else that, that burns. 
Can I be clear for just one moment? If you're here today and you're not born again Christian and your sins are not forgiven, then you're going to hell. Now, I don't want to be harsh about that. I'm not trying to be, you know, the, the jolt of, in your life. But, but I also want to, don't want to be so polite that you don't know the truth. And I want you to feel the weight and the gravity of that. Because there are people in your life who still have the problem of sin and so they have the consequences of hell. And it's, it's a legit issue. It's, it's something that's in the world. It's in the people you know. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 25, 41. It says, it says and these are Jesus' words, but Jesus says, I will say to those on my left or his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Now I want you to know that hell was never created for humanity. It was created for the evil of Satan and his demons. But anyone who rejects Jesus is now partnered with the enemy and therefore they will join him in eternal fire in hell. The Bible says in Matthew 25, 46, it says then they will go away to eternal punishment, but but the righteous to eternal life. Amen? So church, I, I say that to you because I want us to have a sense of of weightiness and a sense of urgency when it comes to helping people find life in Jesus. That it's significant. But there is an answer and we have the answer and the answer is that only Jesus can save us. Only Jesus can save us. Only Jesus is the answer. There is no other answer. Jesus saves us from hell by paying our debt with his blood. You know, oftentimes you've seen a bumper sticker or even a, a road sign. I've seen it on, painted on barns on the highway, but I've seen the sign that says, Jesus saves. You've seen that. And, and often when I see that, I, I think to myself, would you finish the sentence, please? Would you finish that? You've just given us a little bit. What is he saving people from? Hey, I'm saving you from, you know, a, a messy life. I, I, I'm saving you from a, a, a broken marriage, I'm saving, what is he saving us from? And, and the reality is it needs to say something more like this, that Jesus saves you from eternal punishment in hell. Like now that would be a road sign, wouldn't it? Wouldn't you imagine that? But it's true, look what Romans 5, 9 says. It says, since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Jesus, by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Church, I am saved from condemnation. I am saved from hell. When I said yes to Jesus Christ, I was saved. I have significant relief in my life knowing that I am saved. When I lay down at night, I know that I am saved. I know that whatever happens in my life, I am saved. I praise Jesus often, openly and extravagantly because he saved me from condemnation and from hell. Amen? That's why I praise him. Who's going to heaven with me? I mean, you know, who wants to praise him? If that's you, would you give Jesus a good praise? I mean, my goodness. That's why when we have worship in here and 
I, I, don't, I don't stand here all calm, cool, and collected. Like I'm, I'm like, Lord, I, I, I got to tell you every time I can how grateful I am. My praise is out of that, out of appreciation for a holy, righteous God that sent his, saving, his son to save me from hell. Amen. I don't know. I don't know if it'd be the best way to evangelize, go around and tell people, you know, you're going to hell. But, um, but that's the reality of it. And, and at some point, some way, we got we to gotta help people know what's happening. There's a real problem. Sin's a real problem. But the beauty is something extraordinary happens when people say yes to Jesus. Can I, I'm going to turn a little happier for a minute. Y'all good with that? So like, whew, we've been there. And let's pick it back up. Something extraordinary happens. Here's what happens. We're made new. We are made new. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. We're not saved to just become a better version of ourselves. Listen, the better version of myself is still a dumpster fire, right? Like just a bigger one. And so I don't want to be a better version of myself. I'm not saved into a great self-help program. I'm not going to a self-improvement school. No, when I give my life to Christ, my old life, the old nature dies and God gives me a brand new life in him. We don't want better versions of ourselves. We want to be like Christ. And that's what he does. The Bible says we have a brand new life in him. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. That's why the Bible says that we must be born again. Like a brand new life. And it's such good news that, that we can have a brand new life. And listen, salvation is this radical change of heart. And, and we begin this new life that is led by the Holy Spirit. And it's just brand new. Like it's the greatest you know, start over, do over, the greatest mulligan. It's everything you can imagine. God says, I'm giving you a second chance in life. When I say that, let me ask you though, how many people that, that you know need a second chance in life? How many people do you know that are struggling right now through difficulties and, and mistakes and problems and, and they're, they're just, they, they need somebody to say there's a new way. There's a better way. There's a God way for you. So when we think about our, our new building and we think about, you know, being able to, you know, have this space, but it's about saying to people, God gives second chances in life. I know you blew it. Look around, everyone in this room has blown it. And we said yes to the second chance. We said yes to Jesus Christ. We're born again. And the great news is this, and it just keeps going, the news is so good. How many know that the, that the gospel of Jesus is good news? It's great news. Let me tell you some more great news. We are justified. What that means is, is that we have been declared guilt-free in God's sight. Guilt-free. So many people are walking around carrying guilt from past mistakes, they are feeling the, the burden of shame on their life from something that they have done 
something's been done to them, and in some way they just they carry this. And it's such a heavy burden. Listen, guilt and shame, they're, they're too heavy of burden to carry. But Jesus, he saves, and he forgives us of our sin, and we are justified through Jesus Christ. And the Bible says this in Romans 5.1, that therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace. And that's the whole deal. That's the, we replace all of the anxiety that comes from the guilt and the shame. You know, some people are walking around with so much shame on them. Either their, their countenance is low or inside they're carrying such anxiety for what they've done and they're looking for hope, they're searching. And so many people try to get rid of that pain and, and they do it the wrong way. They try to get rid of pain and what do they do? They, they turn to alcohol, they turn to trying to get rich or, or you know, whatever it may be. They turn to drugs, they turn to you know, pornography, they're trying to escape all of this pain of their past and they choose everything that's wrong when we have an answer and the answer is through Jesus Christ. He forgives you, he justifies you, he calls you guilt-free and you walk free from all the shame and guilt. It's so good. The message of Jesus is good news. We're saved from hell, amen. We have a brand new life. We have 100% forgiveness in our life, forgiveness of everything, big and small, that we've ever done. And now the sin is gone, the guilt is gone. I mean, it's like, hallelujah, Lord. Come on, give me a little hallelujah, Lord. Like, if you know that. But that's not the end. It's better and better. We are free, the Bible says. We're free. We're free from the power of sin. And we have the power to do what is right. Well, for sure, sin will always tempt us. For sure, sin will always try to lure us into things. But because of Jesus Christ, the, the power of that sin no longer controls us. Like you are not led by the flesh. You are not led by that sin any longer. In other words, you can never say again, well, the devil made me do it. No, no, no. The devil didn't make you do it. You did it. Like just own it. I did it. I chose to do it. It was stupid, but I did it. But sin didn't make you do it. The devil didn't make you do it. You can't just say anymore once you're saved, well, I just couldn't help it. No, you can help it. That's the power of, of the Holy Spirit. You can't just go, well, that's just my personality. You're going to have to deal with it. No, no, no. I don't have to deal with it, and neither do you. Your personality has to fit the Scripture, and God gives you the power to do it. You can't just say, well... This is who I am. I'm born that way. Well, let me tell you, we're all born with a sin nature. Hey, that's the answer for culture today, by the way. When culture says, I can't change, you go, no, you can change. By the power of Jesus Christ. So you're saved and you're set free from the power of sin. The Bible says in John 8, 36, it says that if the Son sets you free, 
then you will be free indeed. It says in Romans 6, 6, it says, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Our church has some resources for people to walk out that freedom. We have freedom small groups that are kicking off in the next few weeks. And you can be in a freedom group. And freedom groups are designed to help you walk out this freedom. Because yes, the, 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 the way sin tries to grip our life and it returns. And, and you might need a little extra understanding of the scriptures to, to stay set free. We also have Celebrate Recovery in our church and Celebrate Recovery helps people walk out those old patterns and those old habits and those old addictions. And we can help you break free from the demonic strongholds because that's the power of Jesus. The struggle is real, no doubt, but we have been set free and given the power to overcome it. Let me ask you, how many people do you know need that kind of freedom in life? How many people are in our city today that are struggling with so many things in life and they, they need help? They're, they're, they're under the, the burdens of guilt and shame and now they're, they're, they, they can't figure out how to get free from the, the issues of their life and the habits of their life and, and people need the answer and it's through Jesus Christ and by the power of the cross that sets us free, we have the answer. So when I think about this new building, I'm not thinking about anything other than we have hope for people. When people come in, we've, we've got an answer. When you're serving in our church and you are working at the front door and you're welcoming people in, listen, you are welcoming people in to hope. You're welcoming people in to the answer. You're welcoming people into salvation. You're welcoming people into a guilt-free life. You're welcoming people into freedom in their life. It's so good. It's so good. And I want you to know that, that God loves you. And he loves people so much. The Bible says that he loves us so much that we are adopted. The Bible says that we are made sons and daughters of God and co-heirs with Christ. So when, when you're saved, you're, you're not signing up for church membership, which is good. But it's greater and bigger than that. We understand that he saved us from hell, but he has saved us into the family of God. And so now we are part of God's family as his children. God loves you the way a loving father loves a child. Now I know that many of us, many of you have had difficulties with family relationships and with your father. Do not equate a loving father to the way your father loved you. The heavenly father, he loves perfectly. He loves fully. He loves completely. You need to know that his love for you means that he won't ever give up on you. He won't ever quit on you. He won't ever leave you. He will never abandon you. He loves you so much that he listens for your prayers. He sees your tears. He is loving. He is caring. He will heal your pains. He will heal your infirmities. He knows your dreams. He knows you. He loves you. 
He cares about you. As a matter of fact, in the exact same way God loves his son Jesus, he loves you. To me, that's a pretty significant moment. In the exact same way that he loves his son Jesus, he said, I'm going to make you a co-heir, a brother. I'm going to love you just like I've loved him and give to you the kingdom. Amen? The Bible says in first, I'm sorry, John 1.12, it says, but to all who believe him and accept him, he gave the right to become children of God. Romans 8.15 says, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. It's endearing. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are heirs. God loves you. He cares about you. Somebody probably needs to hear that today. One more thing. There's so many ways that we see the the goodness of God. So many ways that we can find the the joy in, in our salvation. Lastly here is our eternal hope. Jesus is going to return. And he's going to right the wrongs of this world. And that's when heaven becomes our home. I'm sure there are many of you that look at our world today and you see a lot of injustice. You you probably wonder why it looks like evil is at times winning in so many ways. And you, you, you might look at people who you know are not Christians and you're like, why do they seem to prosper or or why are bad people not being punished and and you might wonder, why is God allowing some of these things to happen? And, and if you feel that way, I feel that way at times too. And here's what I want you to know, that, that God won't leave it this way forever. Mark my words. And hear me, mark my words. Jesus will return. And Jesus will right the wrongs. Jesus will judge the evil. Jesus will punish the wicked. And Jesus will deliver the righteous. He will deliver the righteous and we will live with him forever. I know the world can seem overwhelming right now. We've all feel it at times and the news can make you feel hopeless. If you watch too much of it, it'll drag you down. But in spite of the world, in spite of what's going on, we have a hope that is above that. We have a hope that carries us through that. The Bible says in the book of Titus, chapter 2, 13, it says, while we wait for this blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. So what this means that is no matter how bad life gets here on earth, and before I take another step, let me tell you, yes, it's bad. I am optimistic about what God can still do on earth. 
Like, I'm not a, I'm not a doomsday. Or like, I, somehow, some way, like, we're going to get better and God's going to do something great and he's going to turn something around. And I mean, I'm living right there. My glass is half full. All right, so I get it, I get it. And I'm drinking from it every day. God is good and God can do it. God can turn a nation around. God can cause people to be, you know, saved and healed and set free. I live in that, I live in that. But let me tell you, if I'm a little bit wrong in some nature and, and let's say things get worse, my hope doesn't change in Jesus Christ. My hope isn't in a world, my hope is in Christ and what he can and will do. I want you to know he will return with his angels and he will usher us into glory and we will live with God forever in heaven, amen. I like this church. Amen. So I close up today's message with the reminder that our building is not our mission. It's a tool. It's a resource to help us reach people who are lost in this city. I will not be satisfied with just coddling the comfort in our church. But to prod us to to see the lost to see the hurting to see the broken to see the people that are that are still in the problem of sin and and motivate us to reach and to make a difference in this city the bible says in matthew 9:37 it says then he said to his disciples this is jesus He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And what he's saying is, is that there are plenty of people that still need Jesus Christ. And he's saying, go down that list of things that I shared, and there are people that are still walking in need. They still have a problem of sin. They still have the consequences of sin. There are still people who need to know the love of God and his power in their life. They need to be set free. Listen, there's plenty of work to do. The harvest is plentiful. But he's saying, I'm I'm looking for churches. I'm looking for people who will step up and be about the Great Commission. So the workers are few. And he said in verse 38, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest field. And so my little short prayer is, Lord, send us. Send us. Thank you for a building. Now send us. Thank you for not having to set up and break down. Now send us. We want to make a big difference. Amen, church? Let me pray. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you that we have our eyes on the right thing. I thank you, Lord, that We see the hurting around us. We see the broken around us. We see the the needs that are around us in a city, God. And we we understand that the harvest is plentiful, God. And, And Lord, we say, choose us. Send us out. Use us to make a difference, God. I pray that this church would be extravagant in our evangelism, in our heart to reach the lost and to invite people to church and welcome them into our house so they can hear the good news of Jesus Christ. 
And Father, in this holy moment, if there are people that heard this message today and they're like, I need to be saved. Saved from hell. I need my life. I need a brand new life. If there are anyone in this house today, I want to give you an opportunity to to meet Jesus and to have your life completely changed. And so if you're here today and you've never been saved and you want to be saved today, would you just lift your hand up to me real, real high? I just want to see your hand. Is there anyone here today? God bless you. I see your hand. Well, listen, you can put your hand down. And we're going to pray together. Everybody join this person who courageously lifted their hand today. What a moment. Think about this. In this moment, this person raised their hand. Their eternity just is being changed as we pray. Let's pray this together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. He came to earth. He died for my sins that I might live for him, that I am saved from hell and I have eternity to hope for. In Jesus' name. Can I get a great amen, church, for that today? Come on, a great amen. When we walk into this building and we give an altar call on October 22, we're going to trust one or more ones. And we're going to celebrate because all the work that we do becomes worth it at that point. Because we're doing the mission and the will of God. We're going to take a few minutes together and worship. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Today, as I went through this list of so many things that we recognize that comes to us through salvation, it becomes, Lord, how can I express all of my gratitude back? How can I worship you? And, and in some ways, it's like I can't figure out all the ways to say thank you. Like in my life, I could say thank you for every instance and every moment I know he protected me. Every moment the Holy Spirit led me Every moment I think about eternity in heaven, I mean, like, how many ways can I worship him? It's just too many ways, right? But we keep coming up with them. And this moment, because out of this time of just recognizing the ways, I want to worship to him with this song. While we're worshiping, you'll see on the screen, there are several ways that you can worship with us. You can go to the sides and get prayer today. If you've... If you prayed that prayer of salvation, you might want to go to someone and say, that was me. Maybe you didn't say it. Maybe you didn't raise your hand and you want to say it. Go ahead and go to the side. And by the way, if our prayer leaders would go ahead and get on the sides, be great. If you need prayer for anything in, in your life, you can go to them. Communion is in the back corners. You can go get communion. But what a morning for us to worship together. And so I'm going to invite you, don't, don't leave today until we finish it out. And let this be your moment of saying, God, so many ways to thank you. Let's worship together. You're free to go get prayer. You're free to go get communion.